Welcome to the Customer Connection Podcast, a roundtable discussion in which ServiceNow customers, partners, and professional implementers share lessons learned, tools, techniques, and procedures utilized to guide ServiceNow customers through feature adoption and platform implementation. Led by Director of Customer Service Workflows, Jerry Campbell, and co-host by Principal Portfolio Manager, Gareth Millwood. This team will sit down with ServiceNow professionals as they share expert insights for achieving digital transformation and speed to market business value for their ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection. Good morning, good afternoon, good day. Wherever you are, thanks for listening in to the Customer Connection Podcast, where we help you get your ServiceNow projects going in the right direction fast. I'm Director of Customer and Creator Industry Workflows, Leading Practices, and I'm here along with my co-host, Portfolio Manager, Shana Greer. And today, we have the VP of Platform AI, Jeremy Barnes. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Great to be here. Awesome. Hey, Jeremy, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your current position, and your ServiceNow journey. Yeah, uh, I have a fantastic position. I work in the platform product team, and so my responsibility is for the roadmap of everything we have, which is AI in the platform. Uh, so a great opportunity to interact both with the core platform and with our, our various business units there. I also get to work with our other AI teams, like our AI research team, the AI engineering teams, our AI solution success teams, uh, design, and everything all the way down to the hardware teams as well in, in our GCS cloud org. So it's a really uh, interesting and fun role because there's such visibility across so many different parts of the company. So really great place to be. Yeah, that's awesome. And Jeremy, we're going to start kicking this thing off here with uh, the rules of engagement. And we already heard a couple of little acronyms in there, GCS. And well, everybody knows AI, but we got the rules of engagement. We we call these the our, our jargon jar. So we just like to keep everything simple, no acronyms. And at the end of the day, we'll count those up and we'll have a little fine for you at the end. And so are you good with the rules of engagement? Yeah, I can live with them, but I think it's going to cost me a lot. I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We had a couple of people that had a broken bank account due to the jargon jar. But let's just kick this off with a little a couple of icebreakers. And if you had to describe yourself as an animal, which would it be and why? I think I would be probably Diplodocus which is a old dinosaur, which basically was very slow, just ate a bunch of plants, but just made sure it was essentially too big to be eaten by anything. So that would be me. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, that's the huge dinosaur that nobody really attacked, right? Just because of the massive side. So thinking about that, and there's a vegetarian, right? That animal's a vegetarian. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a tougher one. I just had my mum visit from Australia and she makes this just most awesome lasagna. So it would have to be my mum's lasagna. That's, oh. yeah, I, I couldn't say anything else. <laughs> oh, mom's cooking. Nobody can replace that, right? There's nothing that can replace that. So that's a great answer. 
let's talk about the Olympics. I hope you're in the sport. And if you are an Olympic athlete, what uh, would be your sport? Yeah, my, my sport would have definitely been the, the decathlon because I'm good at a bunch of stuff, but not that good. So you need something where a bunch of different skills can work together. So decathlon for sure. No, that's great. Great. So are you a morning person or a late night person, Jeremy? I thought I was a late night person until I had kids. And then I discovered that there was also a morning person inside me that got kind of shaken out. So yeah, now it's definitely a morning person. I'm not sure if that's me or that's just who I am at the moment, but morning for sure. Now those kids certainly make you get up early. So they make you become early a morning person. Okay, here's one more, and then we'll jump into it. What three words would you, your best friend use to describe you? Tall, Australian, and weird. Weird. Weird as in a weird sense of humor, not oh. necessarily all out. Can we I edit this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> we can. How this tall is are you? Good. That was a joke, but uh, <laughs> hey, so Jenna had a question for you. What oh, I was that? saying, how tall are you? Six foot two, so not that tall, but tall still. Still tall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's a good height. It's hard to tell in Zoom land how tall a person is. So, but, so crazy um, thing about actor office is we discovered how tall all of our colleagues were, and there were some big surprises for me. I don't know about for you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was in the office uh, a week or two ago, and there was a, a guy on the team that was almost seven foot tall. I would have never imagined, never imagined. And then I seen someone that was 5'2", and I thought he was seven foot tall in the camera, but Zoom land right. treats you different, right? So, right. Question for you, Jerry. Your colleagues, when they saw you in person, did they say you're shorter than I thought on Zoom or they're taller than I thought on Zoom? Shanna, what would you say? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I can answer say? that. I definitely thought he was taller in person. I was like, I thought Jerry was in the six feet. And then I see him and I'm like, oh, Jerry is my height. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thought they were surprised how tall I was when they saw me. Interesting. You look tall. You look tall in Zoom Man. Yeah. Maybe it's a camera. Maybe if you do this, maybe I look short. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would say you're six foot. You're Zoom six foot two. Easy. Hey, let's jump into this and get into the meat of this, Jeremy, right? You talked about a little bit about your job and your current position in service now, but tell us about how the Gen AI uh, was born into ServiceNow world and you really brought this into ServiceNow. So you can tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, that's an interesting place to start because that's where my story at ServiceNow started too. So I joined as part of an acquisition of a company called Element AI, where I was a CTO. That was an acquisition about two and a half years ago now. And it's a company that was doing AI research and productization. So some of the products we have, like our Docintel product, came from that acquisition as well as the, the AI research team. And that was 
Not the start. ServiceNow's AI story went back a long way before nearly 10 years of acquisitions of, of various companies there. But that was really the doubling down on the idea that because ServiceNow has such an interesting set of data, because we are the platform of platforms and that we power so many businesses and there's all this data in the platform, that we could do really interesting things with AI because it was all in the same place as the data. And so the idea that as ServiceNow that we could build something that was unique and differentiated and super powerful for our customers, really that was the doubling down on that, that, that strategy there. And we've kept it up ever since. And since we've had the whole Gen AI thing, which has happened, uh, we've been really well positioned yeah, we weren't going from zero. We were going zero to 60. We went from 40 to 60, uh, and that's why it's been so fast. So that's been a really powerful uh, story for, for us. Yeah, that's very interesting, right? Because to your point, everybody thinks that we went from zero from knowledge, right? We talked, we were at Knowledge 23 this year, and we got a sample of Gen AI in the platform, and everybody thought that was the start, but it was important for us to hear how you came in and really brought, and even Gen AI was thought about even before you were brought aboard, but it's important to hear that. So with that in mind, how has the AI been instrumental in enhancing the user experience within the ServiceNow platform? And what innovations do you think we can expect in the future? Yeah, coming back to the previous point, right? The team at ServiceNow, published the very first scientific paper, which wrote its own abstract. So it was this technology, which was developed by that team that summarized it then into an abstract form. And so one of the things that we're releasing is summarization. We know that anyone on the agent side, there's just this crazy amount of information, which is flying past. And a lot of it is useless or not that important. Some of it is super important. There's a huge amount of work and effort required to bring that down and to put into pertinent details. So one of the things that we're bringing into the platform is summarization technology, which will enable all the places where anyone on the agent side has to deal with that kind of information overload, be it agent handoff, be it you know, picking up a new case, be it that you need to identify if there's similar incidents or, or cases that you're handling, anything like that, this technology comes to play and just adds this, this superpower available right in the platform and right in the workspace for those agents. So that's one example of the kind of stuff we're doing. But on the requester side, and everyone's heard of ChatGPT, right? What a lot of people don't know is that technology is based on something called attention. Attention is this algorithm which enabled the computers in the deep learning algorithms there to be able to look at text of any length. And it was super revolutionary when it came out. It was also published by one of the people on the ServiceNow research team. And taking that work there, which was done many years ago, and bringing that all the way into what is the requester experience if you're an employee and you come into the ServiceNow platform, you, know, you want it to know what you need. You want it to be able to use everything that the platform has to get you to the place where you can get help right away. 
And that involved understanding language, understanding the context and, and the things like that. So you know, that's also what we bring into the platform is these better experiences. So you know, if you're resolved by a, a knowledge article, that will be like nicely summarized in your question answered directly in the response. Or if you, or all the other ways in which the platform has, which it can you know, get the job done and help you get back to your life or your job, uh, is all powered by that, that kind of technology too. And so we're bringing that in multiple ways into the platform as well. That's very exciting. That is very exciting. And it's so interesting because we hear artificial intelligence, right? And sometimes it's hard to extrapolate what it means in the real world versus an app like chat GPT. But when you think about artificial intelligence, it's such a broad range. So to describe how we're taking the premise of Japanese GPT and helping that for that kind of system to help us understand or populate language in a way to help us service our customers really puts it into perspective. So thank you for that. That was very just, I I had an aha moment in my head. (laughs) Sorry, Jerry, were you going to say something? No, go ahead. I was saying that was the same thing. I was thinking on the same path, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jeremy. And I want to shift this a little bit. Amanda Grady is the one who brought your name up and why we're interviewing. And I think this is a great point to connect those two dots. So if we could talk about data security and privacy are extremely paramount concerns in AI-powered solutions. How does ServiceNow address these concerns while leveraging AI to drive efficiency and productivity? Yeah. Firstly, just a quick shout out to Amanda. If you haven't listened to her podcast, I'm sure it's better than mine. So definitely go back and do that and then come back here if you want more. That being said, yeah, absolutely. When you look at this technology like ChatGPT as a generic technology, you don't really know what you want to do with it. right? And so the way that algorithm was trained is they just went and grabbed the whole internet and then said, chew on this. And with all your statistical numbers and the parameters, try and remember as much of it as you can. That's really what you're asking those things to do. Now, when you get into the context of doing something like that, there's no such thing as a security boundary or or anything like that. It can go off and it can make stuff up and and whatever, because it's all just a statistical thing. So most people, when they're just saying, hey, ChatGPT is just an API, we're just going to call this thing, right? We'll let other people take care of it. That's all they can get. Mm. There's nothing they can do to fix those issues. We have a completely different approach to it. We're a platform and within that platform, we have a bunch of stuff that we can use to improve the situation. We have these security boundaries so that everything we do is subject to all these security rules, which make sure that each person only gets access to the information that they need. And then we also have this AI research team that knows how to open up that black box of this ChatGPT model and put it back together in a way where it's going to do the stuff that our customers need it to do that's compatible with the kind of world of enterprise. So as an example of that, when we use the artificial intelligence model, what we call the large language model, for generation of like you've got a KB article, it might be a thousand words long. The answer to the question is just hidden inside it. What we do is we go to our AI search product first 
And so that will make sure that a user has permission to get access to that article. And then that article is there. And then instead of just asking the language model, tell us the answer to this question, we say, here is the actual precise information from the instance, answer that question just within this information here. And so it's not gonna go off the rails. And we are creating these models which are much more tightly constrained and also much more efficient than the, the other models you get out there. So that's a huge advantage. We leverage it. The way that I see artificial intelligence in the platform, it's not the main driver of value. It lets us leave a more value out of the platform itself and lets us leave a more productivity from a better user experience. But it's not going to just go and do everything and you know, run crazy like that. You know, it's really embedded in a platform in a way that they work together better. That sounds really interesting. It sounds like we have this whole internet of things, but we have tightly constrained guardrails that allow us, if I am hearing you correctly, to allow us to function and be more productive, but allow for the technology to pull information from all these different places and help us. Yeah, but it, respecting all of the boundaries of the platform, okay. you couldn't do that if you didn't have a platform to build on top. You just have to let it loose and hope it did the right thing. We can do that. Maybe a second example there. Mm -hmm. We trained, we have a what we call a text-to-code model. And so what that does is you can say, write me a glide script to identify anyone who has you know, more than three uh, permissions set or something like that. And it'll immediately spit out the code, which is going to do that in GlideScript using all the best practices and, and things like that. So that model there, instead of training it on all the source code in the world, we actually worked with our open scientific team in a partnership called BigCode. And we trained it only on the code which had permission to be used in that way. Okay. And then we filtered it so that only the high quality code was there. And then on top of that, we trained it. We got a bunch of internal ServiceNow developers to create thousands and thousands of examples of how you do this with best practices and how you write efficient code and things like mm. that. And so that's the model which powers our text to code functionality. And so yeah, that's something that we can stand behind both from a risk perspective of outputting the wrong thing. And also we can say every ingredient that went into that model and stand behind it in terms of the rights and things like that. And that's a fairly unique approach. You know, others are doing some aspects of it because we take the trust and security of our customers so seriously, we really rethought everything from the bottom up and built a team that could enable us to execute that in record time. It sounds so interesting. And I'm a novice to AI, right? Like I... I've heard of ChatGPT, don't quite use it that much, but it's interesting to have to see ChatGPT, how ServiceNow is using AI to really just enhance efficiencies for us internally. I mean, I've used Now Support and I imagine that's like a AI 
ask, well, not ask, it is AI, right? It's artificial intelligence helping to answer my questions. And I remember when I first started with ServiceNow, the bot just really helped answer any questions I had. And that was amazing to see. I was really excited to know that I was going to interview you because one of the questions that I had for you, as AI technology evolves rapidly, how does ServiceNow stay at the forefront of AI innovations to continue delivering value to its customers? Yeah, and that's something which I talked about a bit earlier in the episode, right? We've been piecing together the team that we have so that we have full visibility into all of the work that's happening in the academic community, which is where all the brand new stuff happens. As you know, the, the, I was at a conference earlier this year with people from you know, DeepMind and Google and all the other big companies as well. And everyone talks openly about what they're doing. There's this real open scientific ethos there. And we have our AI research community, which is you know, part of that. And then you know, really my job or a big part of my job is to say, okay, how do we get from you know, all the way from academia through the lab into our product you know, in record time, make it real for our customers as, as quickly as possible. Uh, and we've put in place, like we have our AI research team, we have our advanced technology group who kind of is the engineering side of it. We have all the, what we need for the quality, the data, we have that whole team is ramped up and used to you know, just driving this innovation into the, the ServiceNow platform. Traditionally, we've done it with AI. It's been a little bit on the side of the offering for automation. But now with generative AI, because it's so front and center, we just have this amazing ability to accelerate and to just push uh, all of this in record time all the way to the customer. And there are very few companies I can imagine working for in the world where that setup would be possible and just so efficient because it needs the customers to be fully engaged to do it the right way and to get it to value. And I've just not seen that in other places, this amazing customer base that we can leverage to, to really close that gap and make that loop really short. So very exciting, but being built piece by piece in a really intentional way over a long time. Thanks for that. We're excited too. Um, to wrap me up, how do you think the increasing integration of AI into our daily lives will shape our understanding of creativity, innovation, and the very essence of being human? Yeah, those questions, uh, I think a lot of people sometimes want to focus on the negative side. Mm -hmm. yeah, I prefer to look in terms of what's possible. I think for example yes you can do a lot of stuff with automation that's kind of where people go a lot there's a lot more you can do you me as a human like i like to create things and i still do code and i use this thing called copilot and it's just made it so that i'm i can create things faster so that's one concrete example of you know, where it, it helps you do more but what I really uh, would hope that we'd get to with AI is that, as people said, you know, for me to have this richness in my life and you know, to be fulfilled, the stuff I want to create, I can just create it. Something I thought would take me 10 years to do, I can create it in like a year's time or way, way, way faster. And it'd be used to augment. I think there's always scope for creativity as soon as one aspect of the creative process 
you know, it's possible to automate or outsource people do it, but that just unlocks different places where you can apply your creativity and more of it. So my hopeful answer in that, which I think is going to happen, is that people will be able to you know, provide better service uh, to their customers because they'll be more focused on what the unique and the different part is. Do things, you know, achieve things in their careers and in their lives that wouldn't have been possible before and that the artificial intelligence technology, when it's embedded in the right way, will be something that people turn to do more rather than something that people retract from because they're worried for it. And I truly believe that the way we're building it into the ServiceNow platform and the human-centric AI guidelines we're putting in place and the mm -hmm. teams we have for trust and governance and responsibility and things like that, I truly believe that we will uh, end up with something which is really positive for everyone who interacts with our platform. Yeah, again, fascinating answers, fascinating questions, Shana. I've got to roll back one to the question prior to this one. And you talked about the AI research teams and all that stuff, right? And I was like, how do we really align and what models, how do models do we pick up and teach that will help benefit our ServiceNow customers and align to their values of the ServiceNow customer? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest and most important point to realize there is because we do have that team, we don't have to just pick up things that come from somewhere else. You know, we can choose intentionally how we design and build things. And so we have the, the tools available to not just take, but to say, we want to build this and we need it to have these characteristics. These characteristics are important to our customers. These characteristics, we've done our user research, these characteristics make people feel better about using the system. And so you know, once we've looked at those things and we've done that, that's fairly fundamental basic work. You know, that's not work you're going to immediately turn into a product straight away, but that enables us to build our products in a way that we know we're going to have the, the desired effect and impact on our users. And so once we understand what it is we're trying to do, then it's a question of how do we make sure we have the right data in order to train our models? How do we make sure that the models are only going to do the things that we ask them to? What algorithms are available to allow them to learn from feedback? And that's really a question of grabbing the bits and pieces that you know, from the current scientific community and putting them together into something. And then just spending lots of time with users testing it and with customers uh, early on in saying, how do your actual real people feel about this? So you're not in our little echo chamber, you know, tell us about it. And you're having that you're really close contact with, with the market, with the users, with, with the customers. That's what keeps us honest. We often find that we imagine things which, which aren't true, but you know, that rigor there of saying we're going to root it in the science, but we're going to uh, make sure that it's governed by, by what we see uh, you know, with real people, that makes us, that keeps us honest around building the thing that we need to and that our customers and users need to. Awesome. That's so fascinating. Jeremy, it's been just, this is just, we could talk for hours about this, I think. Uh, Shana, I don't know about you, but I've come AI smart on this, on this from Jeremy. I have. I feel like my mind is blown right now. You know how like when you just sat through a really inspiring lecture 
That's how I feel. Mind blown. Yeah. I'm just a little nervous about how much I'm going to end up owing you guys. So make sure you don't forget to give me the bad news. Well, you know what? I, I've been tracking the jargon and you did really well, right? We really define AI, artificial intelligence up front. I think beyond that, the GCS, uh, you did say KPIs, but that's a well-known term in there. But other than that, I think you were pretty clean. I don't think I heard anything. How about you, Shana? I don't think so. I was trying to recall while you were talking. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe we were so we were so fascinated with the story, Jeremy, that we probably forgot to, to count all those things up. But I'm sure, and I, I'm positive that this is going to get a, a great bunch of listeners just trying to get into this. And we might have to have you back at some point. But uh, before we get out of here, I want just one real good question from your perspective. What's the biggest takeaway from this session that you would hope our listeners would understand about the AI solution within ServiceNow? Yeah, the biggest takeaway I would say is that for the people uh, who are building the ServiceNow platform, AI is not a black box of something which you, you throw it in, you hope it'll stick somewhere. It's something that we've been building really intentionally towards for a long number of years, since well before ChatGPT and that we are doing it with, for the benefit of our customers, but also with a lot of help from our customers too. And what I wanted to take away is that ServiceNow is not just a way to dip your toe into the generative AI world. It's a real way to embed it into the, the fundamental processes and workflows uh, and platform, which is underlying your, your business. And we wanna work with you. We want to make it real for you. There'll be ups and downs for sure. It's a new technology, the stuff that no one knows about yet, which we'll figure out. But we really value that contact and the feedback with all of our customers in making this real. And so for me, that's the biggest takeaway is we are the mechanics of it and we want to tinker around, but we've got to know, we've got to have that input into what it is that we're building and what we're solving for. And yeah, we really rely on our customers for that. Yeah. So with that, just this one final thing is like, how can customers reach out, connect with the ServiceNow team to give that kind of input to you? Yeah. So that will be through the account teams and the account teams all have the information about how to connect into the world of AI and generative AI. And that's where people can access the, the expertise. And also that's where we go when we want to reach out and you know, talk to customers, that, that's how we'll go. So really through the account teams to, to start off with, and uh, we connect everything up internally through them. Yeah, that's so awesome. Again, Jeremy Barnes, thank you so much. It's been fascinating talking to you, amazing. I've become uh, AI smart. You painted a perfect picture from just the learning models and all that for us. And it's, it's been great having you on the show. So again, thank you, Jeremy. And for our listeners, if you have any comments or questions for us or our guests here at the Customer Connection, you can send us an email at customerconnection, that's one word together, customerconnection at servicenow.com. Thank you for listening to the Customer Connection Podcast. 
where we provide implementation insights from the biggest ServiceNow customers, influencers, and partners. Please join us in our next episode as we will provide more expert insight and feature knowledge to help expedite your business value of your ServiceNow platform. This is your customer connection.